Welcome to a new episode of the Sunday Sauce. I'm here with a very special man, former rep Pete King. Pete, how are you today? I'm doing great, Mike. How are you doing? I, I'm I'm great. I mean, I'm very excited to have you on the show. Um, you were a representative from 1993 to 2021, right? Yeah, 28 years. Yeah. Wow that that is a long time to uh, serve your country, and you also served the country. You were in the army as well, right? Yeah, I was in the Fighting 69th uh, from 1968 to 1973, and then in elective office, I was a Hempstead councilman with Al D'Amato. Uh, from 1978 to 81, and then I was county controller from 1981 to 1992. So I've been, uh, yeah, I, I've been around for a while. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, I like to think I got something done, but it was, uh, yeah, it's a tough business. I know, you know, you're considering running. It's a, it's a great, again, I'm uh, proud to have done it. I think that uh, a politician who does the job is really, you know, performing a service, but, you know, it's not easy. And also we can't complain because nobody makes it to us. Right, exactly. You uh, volunteer to run for office, so no one uh, forces your hand. So you got to take whatever comes with it, right? Yeah, that's basically it. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, going in, listen, it, it can be unfair, especially if you're Republican, conservative, mm -hmm. uh, running in a place like New York, even just you know, with the national media, it's gotten so so biased, so uh, so out of control. But you know, you know that going in, so you have to be ready, and you have to have your own weapons ready to uh, you know, to fight back and not not give in when they come after you. You have to assume they're going to come after you and they're going to come after you for directions you never thought of, but you got to keep your composure. I'm sure you'll do it. You're, you're a tough guy. I, I mean, yeah, I feel like, but with you though, if you talk to Democrats and Republicans alike, I, I really never heard anything t bad about you. Like I never heard anyone say anything bad about Pete King, honestly. Yeah, I got some shots from Newsday without going into all the details. But no, as far as the people I dealt with, I had a, actually a pretty good, uh, a good working relationship with Democrats. I like to think it's because they knew where I was coming from. And if I gave my word, I was going to uh, work with them on a project, I would. I wouldn't you know, uh, run away when it got tough. And also, I wouldn't take cheap shots at them. I've uh, tried always to avoid getting involved in you know, personal issues and uh, Again, everyone can have some skeleton somewhere in a family. I like to think I don't, but again, you know, uh, 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 certainly people can make those allegations against you. And so I, I never, I've never really done that to anyone else. I, I think it's, uh, you know, you're, you're running against one person, not against members of his family or his friends. You're running against him or her, and you take it from there. Yeah. So when you left office, um, Andrew Garbarino, right? He he right. took over. Uh, I believe so. I've heard from a lot of people that he's not very well liked, and people wish that that he had you back. No, actually, excuse me. I think Andrew's doing a good job. Uh, again, he's he's had some tough votes, but I think a lot of that's been taken out of context. Mm. No, I, I supported Andrew then. I'm supporting him for re-election. Yeah, you know, I think he's doing a very good job. I have uh, I I have no questions at all. Listen, after you leave, people always think you were better than you were when you were there. So anyway, mm. I'll. Uh, you know, it's not like old timers say, you know, they introduce a guy, all they talk about is the home runs he hit. They don't talk mm -hmm. about how many times he struck out. So, no, Andrew's doing a good job. Yeah, I, I talked to, um, I actually interviewed Mike Rake Brandt, who's running against him. Uh, and I know there's another guy running the primary also against him. And uh, apparently they, they were saying that he's actually a Democrat in disguise and stuff like that. So I don't know how true it is. I don't really know Long Island politics. I mean, I know, yeah, no, I, you know, so. Yeah, basically what they're, what they're uh, focusing on is the infrastructure bill, which also uh, Nicole Miliotakis voted for it. Uh, right. It originated really as a totally bipartisan bill. Mm -hmm. And uh, what people did, there was the uh, Build Back Better bill, which Andrew was never for. And people assumed, or at least some of his opponents, 
claim that was in the Build Back Better bill was in the, in the infrastructure bill. Actually, it wasn't. To me, it was a good good compromise, not a perfect bill. But in the world we live in today, to me, it's it was something I would have voted for, to be honest about it. So. Well, Trump publicly forgave Maliakakis for voting for the bill. <laughs> so I guess that's why people, uh, you know, give her the pass, I guess, if you would say. Yeah, and again, I think, well, Donald Trump, I think, was mainly against it at the end because Joe Biden was for it. I mean, that, you know, a lot of top Republicans, I mean, in, in the Senate, I think over 20 Republicans voted for it, and more would have until Trump came out against it. So, uh, listen, uh, what can I tell you? Politics can be tough and confusing, but on, on that bill, I, I think Andrew Garbrandt did the right thing. In New York, would you say it's better to be a Republican or a conservative right now at this time? Well, to be elected, you have to be a Republican. Uh, mm -hmm. You have to, uh, uh, it's very difficult for a third party candidate to win. Now, the last time I remember that, any significant race, I'm dating myself, was in 1970 when Jim Buckley was elected U.S. Senator in a three-way race, and he got 39% of the vote. Mm -hmm. But as a practical matter, you have to have major party support. On the other hand, you're not going to win unless you also have conservative party support. Right. Conservative party, uh, whether it's uh, Mike Long, Terry Kazar, they've done a great job as far as Making, making that party a, a real uh, solid uh, spokes, uh, uh, spokes vehicle for right. the uh, conservative movement. And uh, listen, again, I'm old enough to remember when Republicans always felt they had to move to the left to get elected. The conservative party stopped that. And that's why uh, the great majority of Republicans who are elected are elected with conservative party endorsement. But I think that uh, in doing that, we have to be appealing not just to Republicans and registered conservatives, but also to blue collar Democrats, right? You know, they used to call uh, Reagan Democrats. Many people, uh, you know, they registered uh, as Democrats because their parents or grandparents identified with you know the Democratic Party, whether it was Al Smith or John Kennedy, Ed Koch, for that matter. Uh, that's not the Democratic Party of today. So we have to make it clear that the Democratic Party of today is a left wing, extreme. Uh, a group of progressive leftists, whatever they want to call themselves, they're mm -hmm. anti-cop, uh, they uh, are against our institutions. We have to make that clear and show that we are not the party of the rich. We're not the party of the country clubs. We're also, yeah. you know, the party of the guys who uh, play softball on weekends, you know, the mothers who uh, uh, work hard during the day and take care of the kids at night. I mean, the whole thing, we're, we're aware of what it means to be, a, a, we are really the working families party. And that's the, uh, I know the left has adopted that title, but if you want to look at people who work hard, who are not looking for welfare, not looking for a free ride, and not out there attacking the cops, it, it's people who share the you know the real values of the Republican and conservative parties. I agree. I mean, and speaking to that point, I mean, I, I work for the city my whole life, and you know, working for the city, you, you don't get rich unless you uh, have some kind of crazy directed title. So, uh, right. and I'm been Republican <clears throat> my whole life, uh, so I, I'm definitely. Didn't come from money. My parents have been Republicans. They, my dad had to drop out of high school when he was 13. He, he worked hard his whole life. So, um, you know, same with my mother, only went to high school. So the, the Republican Party is definitely not the party of money and, and, you know, things like this. So that's just like a whole farce that the Democratic Party likes to put up just to deter people. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And we have to really make sure we don't fall into that trap at all. And uh, to me, uh, if you want a neighborhood that's safe, if you want a neighborhood where your kids can go to safe schools, if you want to be able to take the subways, you know, without some some jerk attacking you or attacking your wife or your daughter, uh, to me, it's the Republicans the only ones who want, you know they're going to do that. I mean, they are they are standing with the cops. I go back to, the, to me, the the uh, 
the measuring stick for everyone should be how they reacted during the George Floyd riots in 2020. Right. And I don't know of one Democrat in this state who stood by the police, whether it was going from Andrew Cuomo right down the line, every Democratic member of Congress, every Democratic member that I know of, of the state Senate, the assembly, they lined up against the cops. Now, some of them are now trying saying they're pro-cop. The fact is when the money was on the line, when the uh, uh, Molotov cocktails were being thrown and the bricks were being thrown at the cops, those Democrats were nowhere to be found. And in fact, they had guys like Andrew Cuomo saying he was proud to stand with the protesters. Mm. He had state troopers surrounding him. But the fact is that uh, that to me was the, uh, the that you know, that was definitely the litmus test. And the fact that so many just, like all of them just ran and hide, to me, that's a disgrace. So we are the party of the police. We are the party of the people who work hard for a living and who want to live in a safe community. You're 100% correct. I mean, even in Bay Ridge, where I live in Brooklyn, um, our councilman, he when he was up for re-election last year, he deleted his tweets about <laughs> that he was all in favor for defunding the police. It's the city council when they had the vote. He deleted all his tweets, but many people kept those those screenshots. So, you know, that hurt him. You know, he didn't lose, unfortunately, but that definitely hurt him in his reelection. And uh, okay. so, uh, you know, and Bay Ridge, you know, I know you've been to Bay Ridge. It's a very working class, blue collar. Lots of city workers live there, just like Long Island, you know, very, very similar. So, yeah. You know, I went to high school and college in Brooklyn. I went to Brooklyn Prep, which is now Medgar Evers. But uh, mm -hmm. so I used to hang out with a lot of guys in uh Bay Ridge, uh, it's, uh, again, it's a great place, great, great community. To me, it's a really solid, solid type uh, community. What's the steakhouse? Hunter's Steakhouse down there. Yeah, Hunter's, down yeah. There with guys, yeah. Yep, uh, yep, yeah. Again, you know, great place. Yeah, also, yeah. if you watch Blue Bloods, that's where... Uh, that's right. Uh, the commissioner. The he lives. Lives. Right, right. 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 They're always on Shore Road filming uh, right. the, uh, the show there, yeah. Um, so when you, you worked with George Bush a little bit, right? So, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Very closely after 9/11, yeah. Yeah, after 9/11, because you were part of the uh, you were part of the Homeland Security on a committee, correct? Yeah, I was actually became chairman of the committee in, right. uh, two, from 2005 2006, then again mm -hmm. in uh, 2011 and 2012. Yeah, I was the uh, and for eight years I was the top Republican on the committee, whether I was either chairman or uh, a ranking member. Did you see this war in Afghanistan going for like almost 30 years? Like, what, what did you guys envision when you, like this war started? Uh, no, well, we, I, I supported us going into Afghanistan, uh, and I, I believe we should have been able to keep a number of troops there. The reason I say that is it was not people call it an endless war. What it really was is, I mean, that was K-1, uh, Taliban and uh, Al-Qaeda uh, still active in uh Afghanistan. It's mm -hmm. on the Pakistan border. It's, uh, I think the uh, airport at Kabul is only 300 miles from China. Mm -hmm. There's a tremendous amount of minerals there in Afghanistan, but also Pakistan to me is a real looming threat. They have nuclear weapons. They have Islamists in their government. I agree. The Islamists don't control the government, but they're in the government. And us being in Afghanistan, we, we, we used to monitor, we used to know what was going on. We could follow you know, the nuclear weapons, we could see if there were incursions being made. So, uh, no, it, it took on a different form as it went over the years. Uh, I didn't look upon it as nation building. I looked it upon as us having an outpost there where we can monitor what was uh, being done, one by China, secondly by uh, uh, the Islamists, mm -hmm. and, and also, uh, you know, quite frankly, with Russia. I mean, that's uh, it's really a key location. Uh, I, I think uh, things were done wrong over the years. I think, uh, for instance, when Obama, I guess it was in 2009, uh, he said he was going to uh, increase the troop levels and really fight back. But then he put a, a, a deadline on it. 
which meant just the Taliban just waited to let the deadline ran up. But no, in 2001, when we, uh, it was really the short term was to crush the Taliban, mm -hmm. crush Al-Qaeda. But then as we looked at it, we saw that they were still there in the mountains. They were still active in Pakistan, coming in and out of Pakistan. And uh, so, uh, no, but no one, I think, could have foreseen what was or did or uh, claimed that they knew what was going to happen over the next 20 years. Right. And I still ask the question that no one has answered. Os Osama bin Laden was hiding in Pakistan. The Pakistani government knew about it. Yeah. But we still consider them an ally when they hid the number one most wanted terrorist in the whole world. <clears throat> and so I don't understand why I haven't the answer for that yet. No, in fact, with uh, Pakistan, they were really uh, bad at the beginning and at the end, going back to 1998 when the uh, African embassies were attacked and uh, Bill Clinton uh, launched uh, rocket attacks, which could have killed bin Laden at that time. Mm -hmm. uh, but the rockets had to go over Pakistan. So Pakistan being a quote unquote ally, mm -hmm. we, we notified Pakistan so they would know where, the, you know, where these rockets are coming from. And uh, it turned out somebody in the Pakistani government tipped off bin Laden and bin Laden got in the way. If we had gotten them then, this may, all this may not have happened. And then at the end uh, of the, uh, you know, bin Laden era, if you want to call it that, turns out Pakistan was hiding him. And the doctor who cooperated with us and giving his information, as far as I know, is still in jail in Pakistan. Hmm. So they, they arrested the guy who really a patriot who cooperated uh, to let us know where bin Laden was. And Pakistan's response was to arrest him. As far as I know, and I've been out of Congress, but as of the time I left Congress, he was still in jail. That's uh, pretty crazy and corrupt. I mean, uh, <laughs> there's a corruption all around, I guess, right? It's not only in... Um... Yeah, Pakistan is, uh, uh, again, that, you know, they are a nuclear power. Mm -hmm. uh, they, uh, they're not against us, but they're not for us. And I think we have to look upon them as maybe a necessary evil. I wouldn't trust them at all. Uh, on the other hand, you don't want them going over to the other side completely. So it's a real balancing act. And that's why I thought Afghanistan was a good, it gave us a good view into what was going on in Pakistan. We were able to monitor what was happening. But no, Pakistan is, uh, it's corrupt for one thing, but a lot of countries not part of the world are, but they do play both sides and they do have a definite, definite Islamist movement. For sure. Uh, which, which has penetrated their government. Well, now, when you were, I had a question for you, why I always see this in, when you were in Congress, right? Why do Democrats always are why are they so anti-israel yeah uh, that's by the way uh when you, any vote comes up which uh, is indicative of whether or not you're pro or uh, anti-israel maybe you get one republican vote it's usually some guy who just has a uh, opposition to foreign aid or he has some it has nothing to do with israel uh but no Dem democrats they identify i guess with these radical insurgents. Uh, it's not all Democrats, but it's not the way it used to be over the years. It used to be Democrats, Republicans stood as one when it came to Israel. Right. No, now it's, uh, I think part of it is, uh, I'll say this, they're being consistent. I mean, they, uh, uh, well, you're talking, you know, the AOC types or someone like uh, uh, Elon Omar mm -hmm. out mm -hmm. in uh, Minnesota, uh, talking about uh, Tlaib in Michigan. I mean, these people are pro-Palestinian. They uh, believe in these insurgency movements and also Israel is in many ways everything they're opposed to. It's basically a capitalist country. It's uh, very democratic, very you know, very pro-military and allies with the United States. So those are all negatives in, in the eyes of uh, you know the hardcore left in the Democratic Party, which used to be three or four people you were talking about. Now 
it's getting stronger and stronger. It really mm. is that left wing in the Democratic Party. I was just talking to a friend of mine the other day, Henry Cuello, a Democrat from along the border in Texas. And he's had now three, two massive primaries against him launched by AOC. And it's caused millions and millions and millions of dollars. It looks as if he's won this time. But they're after him because he's pro-life, because he's basically pro-American, mm-hmm. and because he's willing to work with Republicans, and also because he wants strong border security. Mm-hmm. And they just feel it's uh, wrong for a Democrat to be saying anything at all that's against open immigration. Why does Democrats, they like if you're pro-America, right, you're pro for this country, they automatically say white supremacy. <laughs> well, I don't understand like their, their logic, like behind that. If you're for your country that you live in and you pay taxes for, why are you a white supremacist, quote unquote, when that's not even close to what that means? Only because I think they have whatever psychological reason or educational reason, they have instinctive anti-American attitude. They want to question the United States. They want to uh, uh, belittle the United States. And all this talk about white supremacy, first of all, it's not true. <clears throat> but secondly, they also tie that into immigration policy. Right. The fact is, most of the people who are trying to, the, the millions who are rushing to get into this country legally mm-hmm. and Ill- illegally, most of them are non-whites. So if these people uh, so anxious to get in the country that's controlled by white supremacists, why would so many people who are black or brown be fighting to get into this country? Correct. Again, legally and illegally. I, mean, listen, I, I don't in any way support illegal immigration. I, listen, I understand why people want to come here. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they are, again, they, they would certainly not be considered white in the political context we have today. Mm-hmm. And yet they're fighting desperately you know, to get in here in a country of so-called white supremacists. No, it's terrible. It's just some people have this instinct to tear our country down. It's almost a worldwide movement that's out there. And, uh, it's, it, it, and that's why I think Republicans, we have to really be very articulate and precise in what we're saying because we have so many valid points to make. We shouldn't get sidetracked and going off on different points. The Democratic Party is the party of the extreme left, mm-hmm. not the party of John Kennedy. It's not the, you know, the party of Franklin Roosevelt, even certainly not the party of Al Smith or Ed Cotton. No. Even Bill Clinton was a moderate yeah. considered back in his time. Yeah, certainly, you know, compared to today, I mean, Bill, mm-hmm. Bill Clinton was, uh, listen, Bill Clinton, with all of the fireworks, I was down there during a lot of that with him and Newt Gingrich. The fact mm-hmm. is, the two of them together, even though they, they certainly didn't love each other, but they realized the realities of working together, mm-hmm. they brought about the first balanced budget. In fact, the only one we've had, I think, in the last 70 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think now that... Um... I would say regular Democrats, not we're not talking far left progressives now, are starting to come around and independents because now we have record high gas prices. We have inflation. We have this war that we're fighting with Ukraine. I mean, with Russia, our, this proxy war. Do you think now the new the presidential election, do you think they're going to come around and also in the midterms, like independents will just vote Republican mm-hmm. and maybe the Democrats that are kind of, you know, on the line, they're just going to come to us now because they're just sick and tired of this nonsense? Yeah, I would say uh, any anyone who's considered a swing voter, I say anyone, 90% of those, right, right. which are mainly will be independents and more conservative Democrats. I think mm-hmm. they are going to vote Republican this, this year, which is why I see a Republican wave. Even maybe more significant for the long run, though, is going to be that uh, we are making enormous strides into the Hispanic vote, which have been considered overwhelmingly Democrat. Now we right. see that Biden is only supported by 26% of, of Hispanics. Now, uh, it's really up to us to show and make the argument 
that we are the party of, of Hispanics. I mean, if you, again, not to generalize, but if you're talking about strong family structure, you're talking about hardworking people, you're mm -hmm. talking about uh, people who have a great sense of community, that would be the Hispanic voter. Mm -hmm. And so we should make clear that those are our values. I mean, Hispanics don't want to live in neighborhoods where people are being shot and killed. No. They want their family members to be able to take the subway to work. They're not, uh, in many cases, certainly if they're first generation, don't have the money to be taking Ubers everywhere or having a chauffeur-driven limousine, you know, they rely on public transportation. And right. uh, you can't rely on it today if you're afraid you're going to get mugged or stabbed or shot. That's correct. I know. So I was uh, an FDNY EMT for five years in Manhattan. And, um, you know, I went to a lot of projects and even African-American families as well said that uh, they, they love the police, working class, African-American families, and um, they're for law and order. And, you know, they're sick and tired of this of this nonsense like going to the corner store and have to worry if they're going to get shot stabbed robbed i mean and we're talking about in manhattan you know like in chelsea in in in, in right. east village like these <clears throat> these kinds of neighborhoods where things aren't supposed to happen but there are projects but things aren't supposed to happen there like this no and even in the african-american neighborhoods themselves the communities they're the ones who suffer the most not just from the crime itself which is mm -hmm. bad but also like CVS and uh, Walgreens, when they start shutting down stores because of looting and mm -hmm. shoplifting, they shut them down in, in those communities. So mm -hmm. it's, it's depriving the very people whose so-called leaders are attacking the police. I like to see it's up in Harlem right now. I guess it's Assemblywoman uh, Dinkins, I think it is. Uh, she's being opposed by an AOC supporter in the, in the primary. And she's basically screaming at them. Don't be telling me I live in Harlem. I want the police. I do want yeah, I don't want to defund the cops. I want the cops here. Mm. So I think we're seeing people starting to speak out and uh, fight fight back against this monolith of a Democratic Party being controlled by the left. So we fast forward to uh, yeah. after your political career. Yeah. Did you did, were you always interested in radio or WA? Like, I know you're at WABC now, right? So it's WABC. You, and also I do Newsmax. Right. Do Newsmax. So, uh, well, Newsmax is, is, is good. Most political, uh, foreign political people get on Newsmax. But did you always want to do like a radio show or that was just something you just picked up? No, it happened, I was I did a lot of media when I was in Congress. And the reason I did that was a lot of it was very pragmatic. Mm -hmm. uh, the only real media outlet in uh, Nassau County or in Suffolk County was Newsday. They, they basically had a monopoly. Right. Uh, Post, the daily news could be good, but that's that mainly city oriented. Mm -hmm. uh, Newsday was the one that covered uh, uh, Nestor and Suffolk every day, every minute. And they, uh, quite frankly, I had a, a, a long term bitter feud with, with Newsday. So I didn't want my whole political career and political life and my message controlled by Newsday. So mm -hmm. I did every bit of uh, uh, free media that I could, a lot of radio, a lot of television. I used to go on. Uh, again, uh, certainly on a, a ABC with uh, Imus and mm -hmm. uh, Ernie and Sid, mm -hmm. uh, uh, John Gambling, all, all those type shows. And also other stations in New York too. And I did a lot of television. So uh, <clears throat> I, I never thought about actually having, you know, being on radio uh, as a uh, as a job. But uh, in my, uh, near the end, John Kasimitidis uh, said to me, I'd like to talk to you when you're out of Congress. And uh, so anyway, we basically... Uh, uh, he was. He, he wanted to make WABC. He wanted to bring it back. It was really on its, uh, uh, you know, death's doorstep there for a while. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it was also being run by people who were not from New York. And there was nothing in New York about WABC. At, you know, the last few years, when John took it over, he made it so New York uh, oriented. Whether it's Joe Piscopo, whether it's uh, uh, cousin Brucey, right. whether it's Bernie and Sid, we go down the line. And so anyway, he asked me to be part of that, and it really seemed interesting and exciting. So now I uh, co-host with him 
uh, John at Cats at Night at least uh, twice a week. I'm on. Uh, I'm, I'm a regular on Bernie and Sid, and I fill in whenever they need me. And uh, again, I'm part of that WABC family, so yeah, I enjoy it. Uh, I, I I thought it was somewhat easy being a guest uh, when you're actually co-hosting or you're actually. Uh, uh, you know, I, I never paid attention to all the stuff going on behind the scenes, you know, whether, right. it's, whether it's the commercials, whether it's the time limit or mm-hmm. you know, whatever, or uh, bringing in the next guest and uh, making sure that people are on the line. So I'm, um, you know, sort of uh, uh, learning the nuts and bolts. But no, John Casmatidis has done a great job. And uh, w, I mean, I, I don't know how many people I run into who say, oh, I heard you on Cats tonight, I heard you on Bernie and Sid, and they follow it religiously. You know, not just me, the, 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 you know, people like Lydia Serrani, Bo Deedle, I mean, mm-hmm. Rich Larry, all these people that have you know, become regulars. So you're semi-retired then. <laughs> yeah, and I'm also doing, you know, some consulting work. I yeah. write a column for the Hill newspaper. Uh, so yeah, but I'm, uh, I'm semi-retired. The difference is I'm doing a lot of different things, but I'm able to do them at my own speed. And right. I can wake up every morning and go back to sleep if I want to, which was not the case for 28 years. Of course. Of the, only course. One not, the only one who's not crazy about this is my wife. You know, I mean, now, now I'm hanging around the house. She had 28 years of independence, you know. And now, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's and, uh, she wants you to get another full-time job, probably. <laughs> yeah, everyone says, oh, you got, you know, yeah. you're so lucky he's home now. She says, well, I'm not, you know, not yeah. exactly. So. Yeah. I, uh, um, all right, last question. <laughs> yeah. You're 28 years in Congress. Is there anything you would, one thing you would change or you're happy with your whole career in Congress? Well, basically I'm satisfied. Uh, I think like all of us, I, I wish we could have uh, uh, done more before 9-11 to realize the real threat from Islamist terrorism. If there's anything I would want to redo, uh, I, I would say it's that. We didn't, uh, the country did not realize that threat. We thought that what happened in 1993 when they attacked the World Trade Center, it was a uh, one-off. So mm-hmm. that's, that's, uh, I would agree with that. That's that would, that would we all wish that. But um, P. King, we thank you for your service. We thank you for your military service, and um, you know we look forward to hearing you on WABC. And thanks for coming on the show. I thank you. Good luck to you. Let thank me know how you. I can help. Okay. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Right.